Welcome to They That Hope with Father Dave and Deacon Bob, seeing humor and hope in a crazy world. And I'm Deacon Bob. And I'm Father Dave. How are you, Robert? I'm doing very well, Father Dave. Where am I? Well, ah, yes, where in the world is Father Dave Pavanka? Are you in Arizona? I feel like I've seen that background before. You have. Are you in Arizona? No. Oh. Florida? Yes. Nice. Yes. Where yeah, so I, I came down for some meetings. Right. Um, and I just stayed down actually an extra day. So I'll be oh, leaving cool. tomorrow. So are you at the house of prayer? Um, no. I'm at okay. a, well, yes, it is a house and people pray here. Mm, thank but you. It, yeah, but it is not the house of prayer. That's right. where our meetings were actually. Right. Our meetings were at the house of prayer. Have you been there? Yes. I actually, uh, if you might recall, last November I spent uh, like almost a whole week there. It was really profound. Okay, so the House of Prayer is just a beautiful ministry in Clearwater, Florida. That mm-hmm. I made my solemn vow retreat. I made my ordination retreat. It's just, it's just beautiful. So that's where our meetings were the last two days. So I'm just like spending today with some friends of mine, and I'm I'll leave tomorrow. Nice. Oh, that's yeah. great. Glad you're getting a break. I I bet it was a pretty intense weekend of meetings. It was actually, but it was good. But this is why I ignored your texts last night. Oh yeah, what was up with that? I was texting you, and you were like. Well, please share. Well, I, I, I was like nothing um, because, <laughs> well, the thing is, is so um, the buddy of mine was, he, he and his wife weren't able to arrive until a little, little bit later. So we decided we we're just going to record the second football game and we weren't going to check scores or anything like that. We just kind of start and watch it. So we didn't know what was going on. Okay. But I was worried if people were sending texts, it's like, can you believe Cincinnati's going to lose and all that kind of thing. So I chose right. not to look at my phone for a couple of hours. Oh. And then I got your text messages saying, okay, what time in the morning? What time? Where are we going to do it? And <laughs> I'm going to bed now. I need to know to what bed. time I need to wake up. Are we doing yeah, it at yeah. 7 a.m.? Are we doing it at 9? Fine. I'm just Let's just say 10. And then... So it's funny, your morning, when, I'm, when I texted you this morning and I was like, so what time... Are we doing it? You're like, I thought it was 10. It was like, well, you know, you never actually replied to any yeah, of the exactly, time options exactly. I gave you. Exactly. FYI, Barry, it's 10 a.m. right now. On a, it's 10 o'clock on a Monday. Yes, in a beautiful morning down it here. It is a beautiful really morning. Nice. It is like a beautiful morning. Uh, not, maybe not so beautiful for fans of the Cincinnati Bengals or fans of the San Francisco 49ers. And I believe uh, our, I our had condolences the Eagles, to them. I had the Eagles and the Chiefs. I think you did, and I think I just took the others to be contrary. Yes, you did, and you did it so well. No, okay, so right, so first... I want I'm going to take the Eagles for the Super Bowl. Oh, oh. Yeah, beat you because you know that there's not like much of a rivalry, but you know the Bucks played the Chiefs, and so it's kind of a thing. I'll, actually, I could take the Chiefs because I like Mahomes. You know what? I'll give it back to you. You know, I'll take whatever team you're not going to root for. I'll root for. Well, it's a question of rooting, or it's a question of who I think is going to win. Oh. Okay. Well, then again, who are you rooting for and who do you think will win? Well, I think the Eagles will win. So really? that's, I'll take, I'll take the Eagles. I really do. I think they're just a really, now granted yeah. that first game yesterday, I mean, I, I felt sorry for, did you watch it? I didn't watch much of the first game. I caught the second game to be sure. Okay. So Purdy kind of Mr. Irrelevant. Yeah. Yeah. It's he a great got story. hurt really early and it was just, oh. yeah. So he was out basically the whole game. Um, oh. He hurt his elbow or something like that, which was just, it was just unfortunate. I mean. It really is a cool story. He seems like a really good guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and, then, and hopefully I mean, the future's just, bright for him. Yeah, it was just too much for them to overcome. But and then the second game was okay. It just wasn't. It wasn't a great game. I don't know. The second um, game? 
It, it came down to the wire. I would no. I'm, I would have liked more kind of scoring back and forth. It, it so. was a low scoring game. Yeah. I think it was twenty three to twenty was the f- yeah, yeah yeah. And there's that good. there's that unnecessary roughness thing, which is always tough. Like your momentum's going and anyway. Yeah, it, it is but what I it thought is. it was pretty. It was pretty. It's pretty unnecessary. You felt. Yeah. Well. More. Yeah. Exactly. So. Yeah, Super Bowl in two weeks. Have you heard about the Pro Bowl? They're gonna have like a flag football <laughs> game or something like that. What is the that? Pro Bowl is just a. Whole that's not the real Pro Bowl though, right? That's a side. No. Thing no. That's no. Happen. No. That's the new Pro Bowl. The Pro Bowl is gonna be flag football. Yes. That's ridiculous. Yeah. You know they've been so one of my favorite memories actually was when my dad and I went to the Pro Bowl in Hawaii. Um, and it was awesome. And uh, Wait, that's kind of surprising that, that one of your favorite memories doesn't include me. Is it? Yeah. Huh. Anyway, huh. go ahead. Huh. I'll have to discern that. So one of my favorite memories is when I went to Hawaii. And I think back then the Pro Bowl was the week after the Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah. Uh, then they moved it to the week before the Super Bowl. So you'd obviously eliminate any of the players that are going to the Super Bowl. That's just kind of life. Um, but I think they've always been struggling with the format. I don't think it makes much money, and that's, of course, what they love. There are always some worries of people being injured, but I can't ever remember anybody being injured. And, you know, unlike... play. Yeah, you know, unlike other other leagues, and correct me if I'm wrong, because isn't... Um, so Major League Baseball does its all-star break, right? It's more like two-thirds through the season. Does that seem about yeah, right yeah, when they do yeah, the all-star yeah. game? And actually, we're heading up to the NBA All-Star Game, which is a similar vibe. And there's something about doing that mid-season, but those games aren't as brutal on your body right. um, as as the other ones. And um, you just wonder even if it it's an honor to be named on the team, but does it really mean anything after that? I think they're trying to figure that out. It'll be interesting. Well, and, and honestly, I think the NFL is the most... Well, actually, I don't, I don't follow the NHL, so I can't speak to that, but... Oh yeah, NHL also does an all-star break in the middle, right? Yeah, but given baseball, basketball, and at least baseball and basketball, it's a real game. Mm -hmm. I mean, in essence, the football that I can't anyway. Flag football—that's ridiculous. Just yeah, yeah. Well, did you ever watch it before? I don't watch the Pro Bowl. I mean, okay. Well, then it really doesn't matter. Yeah. I think I think you and the voice of many other Americans are probably being like, I can't believe you're doing that. Did you ever watch it? No. Okay. Well, that's well, I mean, probably why they're trying I, to change I, I, it I up. Cer- I certainly did when I was growing up, but I think they're also going to add some like skill challenges. Well, and that's what I thought the, the flag football was a part of the skill challenge thing. I think the whole thing is changed to like okay. a combination of skill challenges, flag football. What do you think the chances are of you and I being the coaches next year instead of the Peyton brothers? Well, you know, it does. As you know, it's just a huge popularity contest, and it right. doesn't go by people who deserve it. So, right, right, you right. know, should we? Yes, will we? Probably no, not. probably not. Probably not. Did you That's watch? Really did, you, did you see the Oscars nominations? No, but I did hear that the Avatar movie is just broken two point one billion dollars for the Are seventh week in a row. It's the number one movie. It actually just surpassed uh, the first Star Wars sequel. So. It's actually doing amazingly well. It's it's still going. Is that it's it's just kind of surprising. I think I think the first numbers, the opening weekend numbers, weren't like so astronomically high that everybody thought, oh, you know, this is going to be like a dud of Cameron's, meaning it wouldn't like be right. one of the top grossing films of all time. And now, 
it's one of the top grossing films of all time. And it's really like incredible. a sign of a really good movie, one that like gains momentum because yeah. people go back to it and say, oh my gosh, it's good. And then other people are like, oh, I wasn't going to go to it. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. You know, if you can be like around four, week four or five, if you're still number one, depending on the competition, obviously, but if you're still number one, that's a, it's a strong sign that you got yourself a winner. You, you got yourself a winner. Well, so I guess so we're going to get like another eight Avatar movies. I think the only movie of the nominated movies I saw was Top Gun. Okay. Um, that got nominated for the best movie. And I find it interesting. I mean, really? I would have thought, yeah, I would have thought maybe for like the People's Choice Awards it would have right. gotten a nominee, but for the Oscars. Well, now the Oscars has like 10, cat, you know, 10, 10 nominees for the movie. They expanded the, all the things so okay. that they would try to get some popular get movies in there yeah. so that somebody would actually watch the show. Yeah, believe me, yeah. my mother's thrilled. <laughs> at the Top Gun, at the Top Gun yes. nod? Yes. Thrilled. Oh, oh, well, yeah. that's cool. There you go. All right. Well, that was fun. Oh, one last thing. I was at a Cavs game when you weren't okay. texting me back. Yeah. And the Cavaliers won 122 to 99. Okay. The word on the street, though. Okay. The Cavs have got to learn to uh, win away from home. Well, that's, yes, that is the word on the street. They have the best home record in the NBA, and they struggle on the road. Yes, that's true. But having the best home record is pretty good. Donovan good. Mitchell uh, is a all-star starter. points. Okay. Seven, well, he had 71 points at that one time. Okay. So uh, sports are fun. Yay. Yes, they are. All right. And now we go on to our Franciscan promo. Cue the music. You only need to turn on the TV to see how polarized our media has become or listen to our podcast. So how can journalists today carry out their work with honesty and integrity in an environment that's often biased or even hostile to people of faith? Seasoned journalists and digital media experts will answer this question and more at the Journalism in a Post-Truth World Conference sponsored by Franciscan University and EWTN News. You'll discuss the challenges of working in media today and discover how to remain an ethical journalist in a post-truth world. The conference is March 10th and 11th at the Museum of the Bible in Washington, D.C. If you can't attend in per person, live stream registration is also available. To register or learn more, visit franciscan.edu slash journalism conference. That's franciscan.edu slash journalism conference. Gonna be a cool event. I mean, everybody's just kind of frustrated with. I mean, you read an article, everybody has a bent. They don't just share what's going on, they don't share the story or the facts, but they have an agenda, a bent that they want to give. And yeah, so this, I'm looking forward to this. Also, have you been to the Bible Museum? I have not. I, it's on the list of things to do. I hear it's, it's I mean, I just I hear went it's there just cool. to look at the facility, so I didn't actually yeah. get to really see the place, but. It's remarkable. Now, are you remarkable. going to be a part of this conference? Are you presenting at it, Father Dave? And I mean, I'm, I'm going to help host. I'm not. I'm okay. certainly not a journalist, so I'll be there to help host. And now there are a couple of evenings. There's some open forums. So, but I'm yes, I'll be there, but I'm not going to present. It's not. It's not an area that I'm an expert. And that's one of the things is we really do want to get people who are working in the field, uh, who have an interest both in 
in regular media, but also digital media. And it, it should be, I think it'd be a lively discussion, some good debates, some good dialogue. But the reality is, is and I always say to people this, it's like, did you hear such and such? And I'm thinking, okay, where did you read it? And yeah. did you only read one source? You know, because unfortunately we're so, the, the media is, it's trying to get links, it's trying to get clicks, it's trying to do all these things. So anything you could do that on one level separates you from somebody else, mm. but sometimes, to the point that it's no longer an accurate representation of what took place. So, and yeah, don't you is, think some of that is kind of on us? I mean, like as a country that as we, consumers? yeah, like we, it seems as though, and I say we in the general sense, but there's a desire to, I want this conservative spin, or I trust, you know, maybe maybe we've lost any hope in such a thing as unbiased reporting, right? And right. so we we lean more into those types of media outlets that already share our views and of course the downside with that is then our views will never change <laughs> uh you know we don't actually go to the news to learn new things we just want our previous beliefs to be more solidly reinforced yeah and i mean that's that you know the media is responding to a, a need in you know they're only going to do what makes money and that sure sure, sure. seems to make money you know? funny. i think is it don lemon that's on cnn I oh, I don't know. Okay. Yeah, I think that's who it is. He was doing this interview and they asked him, because they made some some changes in CNN. They said, um, are they going to be less liberal? And he goes, well, I don't believe we're liberal. We're just journalists. And and like some of the people in, in the crowd literally started laughing. I mean, <laughs> but the thing is, and, and the Fox, Fox News would say the same. I actually, one of the things that I try to do is I take a look at both, both outlets or both, mm. you know, you've got some catholic media that's quote-unquote conservative some that's quote-unquote liberal and right it just i i don't think we serve ourselves well just by living in a little silo and in not but it would be nice if you could actually find media that was just presenting the story rather than an agenda or or an opinion com an opinion com yeah the comments right i think right. that's really important is that there there used to be op-ed pieces opinion pieces and and you know what you get when you read it Right. Well, I mean, now it's the headlines jump off of opinions and medias. It's really so that's one of the things we're, we're looking at, at wrestling with and talking about. And so it should be fun. Are you always good? Uh, I'd love to come. OK. Am, am I invited? Can we do can sure. we podcast at the Bible Museum? Oh, that would be really fun. All right. We're going to look into doing that. We'll, I don't know. I don't know what I'm getting myself into, but I will. I'll check my schedule. We'll check our schedules. We'll see if we can do that. That would actually be cool. that would actually be really outstanding. Cool. Um, yeah, I always find, particularly with media, to go right to the source as much as possible. Now, by the way, this takes effort. Like sometimes my experience of media is what I hear in my flash briefing from Alexa as I'm making bacon and eggs for the kids and trying to run them out the door, you know. So yeah. there are certainly some things of which it's like I just don't have time to know anything more about what was just said. And I go, okay, well, that's horrible. It's usually horrible. There's rarely anything good that comes from, from media. Uh, like, you know, one example would be, I just read the article in America Magazine by, um, I want to get his name right, and sometimes I don't, Mick McElroy, Cardinal McElroy, he's the yeah. new cardinal in San Diego, yeah. and um, I mean, the headline was, Cardinal McElroy on radical inclusion for LGBT people, women, and others in the Catholic Church. I wonder if he came up with the headline, because that was actually how he concluded, so to be sure, there is accuracy there but he's talking about this synodal process and um 
And he goes off the rails. Maybe, Bob, I mean, just just for a oh, second. Oh, go ahead. Probably most people know what that is, but why don't you just what is the when you say the synodal process? What oh, do yeah. you mean by that? Yeah, absolutely. So um, the the a synod is a gathering of people uh, having conversations. We've used this word synod since the Second Vatican Council, where a pope will call a synod together to help give him consultation on certain issues in the life of the church. And as you look since the Second Vatican Council, um, you notice a, uh, a, this pattern, for example, you know, before Paul VI wrote Evangelization in the Modern World, he had a synod on it. Before John Paul II wrote on catechesis around the family, he had synods on it. Most recently, at least in my field of expertise, um, you know, Pope Francis called a synod on youth, the faith, and vocational discernment, and then wrote an encyclical on that. So, um, and, and just to be clear, it's not just the Pope. A bishop can have a, a local yeah, synod, right. and, and the American bishops can have synods. So it's really just a gathering of people to listen, to discern, to pray, to debate, to dialogue. And then usually something comes out from that. Right. In fact, the word in Greek, synodia, actually was used uh, to describe the pilgrimage people used to do to Jerusalem. And so that was kind of the idea, that there'd be this pilgrimage of people coming together, heading towards a holy place. That's kind of the biblical reference of it. Um, and I actually think there's a lot of great value in synod and synodality, but it has really sadly become quite hijacked in some nightmarish fashions. You know, when we talk about being a listening church and listening to each other, there are some who want to take that as like, right, you need to listen to how the church needs to change your doctrine and teaching and we're going to use it almost like a, I think maybe particularly in America, we, we, we look at it like it's democracy now. And we're all going yeah. to vote at the end. And then what we all decide yeah. is what happens. And yeah, let me just say a word on that because it's, yep. this is just a huge thing. I mean, that I've noticed over the last many years, this, first off, listening is a good thing. It is. I mean, to be able to have dialogue, to debate, to discuss, I mean, ultimately, my, my own experience is to the degree that I do that well, my final decision is often much, much better. Yeah. With that being said, there's also a population that said, if you don't do what I want you to do, you didn't listen to me. You right. didn't hear me. And and some people just have a hard time with, oh, oh, I did listen to you. I did hear you. I just don't agree with that. Or I just made another decision. And that's something important that, yes, we need to be able to listen, but it's not to say that everybody or every opinion is going to be exercised or acted on. I was, um, you know, in helping, uh, you know, being in part of some consultations with the bishops on an upcoming youth document, uh, the whole LGBT issue is, is came up, and it's very strong in a younger generation, the way the church handles it. And I remember one of the bishops in a, a group I was in, he just said it really well. He said, you know, the church's teaching on this is clear. What we have struggled with is the right way to lovingly, pastorally accompany people. Yes who are suffering in this way. And so it's not a question of, well, let's change the teaching so that we can share the love that Jesus wants us to have for everybody because Jesus does. But it's like, but I, I thought that was just an honest admission. It's like, you know what? That's, that's really we've well not, put. We've not that's done really great well with this off. and we're trying to figure it out. But trying to figure it out doesn't mean that there's something wrong with what God revealed. Right. It just means we need to acknowledge that, you know, we don't do this well and we need to find a better way of, of doing this. And that's like when I read McElroy's article in America Magazine. I remember um, 
I think it was Heller Berlach that said, the reason heresies exist is because of the amount of truth it contains. So you read the article and I'm like tracking. I'm like, yeah, okay, we need to reach the marginalized. We need to evangelize. Agreed, you know, we need agreed. to be loving. Check, check, check. Yep. You know, unjust discrimination. Yeah, all these things. And then it came to, and so really we need to stop making a distinction between um, the attract, same-sex attraction and same-sex activity. Yeah, you and lost like, me there. Yeah, you, lo you lost me there, right? I thought yeah. actually there was a commentary by D'Souza in the register, which I, I thought he really nailed it. He said, if you think about it, he's talking about the abolition of chastity because all of us have sexual desires that we're told, you know, belong in the right context. And to say, well, if you have the desire and you do something about it, look, that's not the point. It's like, well, that is the point. And I know that yeah. even like... Um, didn't Pope Francis talk about media spins? Didn't, didn't Pope Francis need to clarify something on that? Well, that was an interesting thing. Again, and depending on, on which source you read, one of the discussions was the criminalization of homosexuality. And the reality is there are some countries in the world where if, you, if, if an individual participates in, in a homosexual act, you could die. Yeah. And the Holy Father that said was, that That was one of the issues in Qatar. Right, 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 exactly. Right. That, and that the protests that in Qatar. That needs to be dealt with. That, it, that ought not, you know, an individual ought not be put to death. Well, some people took that, and then, and then, yes. So there was celebration amongst that community about that, and, and from that perspective, I think that was, you know, that's reasonable that that statement. But then there was some question about, well, did the Holy Father actually say that homosexuality is not wrong, or it's not a sin? I mean, that's one of the words that is it a sin? Well, the Holy Father came back, and he said uh, that homosexual homosexual homosexuality. And married, any sexuality outside of the marital covenant is in fact a sin. So, and then he began to express, and this is where some people really were really critical of, and then what is the nature of sin? And he goes into what qualifies sin through the catechism. But what, what a lot of headlines said is just the whole ho right. Holy Father says homosexuality should not be criminalized. Again, it, depending on what you're reading and the nuance of the author, you just it's a whole different spin on this and you know like in McElroy's thing he talks about uh some of the previous synods and how like in the amazons they were you know recommending um things such as you know women diaconate ordination or women priesthood and i, I actually married, need to follow some of the clergy, source married clergy, clergy right um you know more inclusivity but what's interesting is that he kind of used francis's language and quoted francis a few times but these are actually things that Francis has rejected. come against. He's absolutely yeah. rejected. Just because the Synod says, what do you think about this? And the Pope says, no, because this isn't a vote. It's they're consulting. And going back to what you said earlier, Dave, you know, I, I remember one of the, that, that book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People or mm -hmm. Successful People. Mm -hmm. One of them is listen um, to understand so as to be understood. Like the process of listening is about respecting the dignity of the other. It's about hearing the experiences of the other. And then it's about then responding to that in, in the most articulate way you can, you know, with a greater sensitivity to their needs, to their concerns, those kinds of things. Uh, and even when necessary, changing what you think you were going to do based, based on what you're hearing. Now, that's just, that's just the general thing. But, you know, the idea of a listening church is not one that is asking for doctrines to be voted on. But it certainly is one that asks how can we more effectively present the joy of the gospel to this very difficult culture that's often in contrary with the good news that Jesus Christ revealed? Yeah. And I think that's where the conversations 
you know, I, I mean, I think when I look at what Francis, when he talks about synodality, that's the kinds of things he said. And I was even, even, I was even very happy to read Bishop Barron. He wrote a response to the McElroy thing without mentioning him. But at the end, he says, people are shaking this idea of synodality far, far deeper than Francis ever intended. Like, even though you read McElroy and you think like, oh, Francis must think this way too. Well, if you read Francis, now that's not to say Francis is completely against everything, you know, but no, that's like but, the, that's the tension, but it's not what he said. And, no, and that's the other thing is that I think oftentimes the debate and the, and the frustration goes around and sometimes the way things are reported and the way things are communicated. With that being said, my experience over the last many years, and that's not to say, just to preface this, that some of the things, I've, I've joked about this for years. If I was in charge of the popes, nobody would give an interview on the way home from anywhere <laughs> because they're tired and this, that, and the other. And right. some of the things the Holy Father says, um, he needs to be more specific and greater clarity, be that as it may. Well, just to add to that, just and that's proven by the fact that he often has to give clarifying statements yeah. later or, on. Or, or, yeah. or he does it. Like in this particular thing, he did give a clarifying statement, but sometimes people want him to clarify everything. With that being said, you know, I've run across many people over the last many years, it doesn't matter what's said. They're going to listen for the thing that allows them to disagree, mm. to be critical of, yeah. to walk away from. And this becomes a question, I think, in each one of our hearts. I, I had an inter, or a discussion with a, an individual re recently who, on a personal level, really struggled with some things. But he said, it was really beautiful, actually. He said, he's my Pope. He's my Holy Father. I don't understand everything. I wish you would say things different every now and then. But, and that's, uh, we, we really have to be able to question our heart and and how we approach statements or things that are said or, yeah, yeah, so... And I might just say for our listeners, you know, um, just a word of hope about this. I think, and I, I feel this too. Like I saw that article in America Magazine. I mean, I don't read America Magazine, so somebody had, so the only time I read America Magazine is when something really bad not. happens, right? Exactly. I should probably maybe read America Magazine and see if they have other articles that aren't, you know, like that. Um, but it like your first, I, okay, my first reaction to hearing that kind of thing was was a kind of despair you know it was because we hear about what's happening in germany i mean again we're always hearing the bad stuff right but we right, hear about right. what's happening in the synod in germany and now we've got this synod on synodality you know that's going on and um and now you've got mickleroy who's a new cardinal from pope francis and like that a cardinal would use his platform to I mean, I guess in the good sense, he's not pulling any punches. You know exactly where he stands. But in the other sense, it's like, you're a cardinal. And how? And you're going against, you know, fairly solid church teaching here. And, like, there's a sense of what, you know, what's happening to our church? You know, what is what is going on? And, again, if we focus on the negative, it's, it's all, and that's kind of the meat. That, that's what gets more clicks. I know I click Absolutely. more. Oh, the church is losing its way. Oh, the church is divided. Oh, that you know, this is happening, and you know, blah 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 blah. And um, and the Holy Spirit is still in the church. You know, the whole, you know, like the if you even read the scriptures, there's always a history of debate in the church. There's always a history of people oh, on very dramatic sides. You know, this kind of tension isn't. I actually thought, you know, you know, Mick Roy wrote his thing, and then Bishop Barron wrote his thing, and. 
I thought, okay, that's that's the church. Like we've got people on very different sides of the issue, you know, who are debating it, debating it openly. Um, but I don't know. I may, maybe you can speak a little bit to it as well, Father Dave. But just like, just want to speak against a sense of the church is lost. Um, she's losing her way because I know we have for every cardinal like Mickleroy who believes this. My impression, at least of the OCCB, is the vast majority were very would be very strongly against those comments. Right, and, right. Um, and, I mean, there's two yeah. things that come through my mind: is uh, the gates of hell will never prevail against it, hmm. and, and we just rest on that, that. That it is the Lord's church. I think of John the Twenty Third when before he, somebody asked him, you know, how do you sleep at night? He said, before I go to bed, I give the church to the Lord and trust that He's going to care and protect it. Um, so that's important. And the other is maybe two other points: is that there's never been a time that this wasn't the case. Yeah. You know, that, that there's always discussion and debate. I mean, when you have a church with a billion people, there's going to be a lot of it. So, but I think to end what you started at the beginning, ultimately, particularly around this issue, um, the church has been clearly teaching the same for a long time. And, and I, I don't think the fundamental cores of the teaching of the church are going to change on these particular issues. Mm-hmm. But it is a reasonable question how do we how do we pastor them? How do we shepherd that community? How do we love that community? And and again, in that, that's where the difficulty and the struggle comes. Is is what does it mean to love? Well, love is truth. So it can't just be, as some would say, well, let's just dismiss the teaching of the church. Let's just dismiss morality. That's not the answer either. Yeah. So this is where where we continue to some people continue to wrestle with that. Yeah. 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 Well, I think anybody yeah. in pastoral ministry finds a way to wrestle with it. How can how can we be a welcoming church for all who are responding to the invitation of Jesus Christ? And how can we do it in a way that, you know, the Lord, I like what Bishop Barron said. He said, the first words out of Jesus's mouth wasn't welcome, it was repent. He's inviting us to repentance. He's reviving, all of us, everybody right, to right, repentance, right. all right. of us to holiness, all of us to freedom. Right. He's the That's way, the truth, and the life. That's the focus. Somebody said to me one time, and, and I may have mentioned this on the podcast, I don't remember, was they were struggling with these particular issues. And um, we were talking about it's really difficult. And he said to me, he goes, I just can't imagine Jesus asking something that is so difficult. <laughs> yeah. And I said, well, I said, I was just honest. I said, well, where, where did that come from? I mean, right. why, why would you believe that he wouldn't ask something that is profoundly difficult? I mean, so many things in, in the spiritual life is are profoundly difficult yeah but his grace is always available that allows us to be faithful to him so yeah let's just trust in that that the lord is the lord uh it is his church he is going to watch over us and protect us uh, and we'll be okay yep yeah amen we have to pray yes why don't we do that right now well but let's talk a little bit about your song because your the song at the end of this is about prayer is it not Oh, it absolutely is. Oh, that's yeah. right. So today, uh, Wednesday, February 1st, I... Happy birthday to me. Happy birthday to you. And to celebrate Father Dave's birthday, I have launched the Kickstarter page to fundraise a new album that's... Uh, I've been playing music with the past couple episodes myself, Mary and Anna Brewer, um, which is called The Hours. It's actually... A lot of the music is inspired by the liturgy of The Hours, we're going to close today's podcast with Psalm 95, which is the first, usually you, there's some variations, of course, but really the church begins the Liturgy of the Hours every day, uh, reflecting and praying upon Psalm 95. 
um, you know, come let us worship the Lord and shout with joy to the rock who saves us. And so uh, that's available if you go to kickstarter.com and search The Hours, H-O-U-R-S, or you could also search Deacon Bob Rice. Uh, you can find that, and if you can help fund it, that would be awesome because there's not many opportunities to actually fund, <laughs> you know, fund Catholic albums these days. There's not like a huge market out there for it. So if you would like to make it come reality, we'd really appreciate it. But right, we wanted to talk about just prayer and praising well, the just, Lord and the Liturgy of the Hours. Like the, and yeah. I just like the fact that you're giving attentive attention to uh, Liturgy of the Hours. It's funny, one time I was in Dubai and I was in this mall and obviously Muslim country, Muslim community. And in the middle of the afternoon, I was kind of watching and and I realized like a bunch of people were, were going to one particular area, right? And in the middle of this mall, they had a little mosque and all of the Muslim men were gathering there. And hmm. um, it, honestly, it was something very edifying. You know, in the middle of the day, these men took a few minutes out of their work and spent time together in prayer. Well, somebody said to me, oh, that'd be great if the Church of Catholics did something like that. It's like, uh, actually we do, right? <laughs> right. So, you know, the, 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 there are two official prayers of the Church. There's the liturgy and then there's the liturgy of the hours, right? So that's, for, for the religious, it's office of readings, that's morning prayer, it's midday prayer, it's evening prayer, it's night prayers. That the Church has in her cycle this rhythm of prayer. And, and it's interesting because some people think, well, well, that's what the priests and religious do. Of course it is, but it's also open to anybody. I know that right. my mom prays the liturgy of the hours. Um, before my dad passed, they would pray together. And there was something really beautiful about them praying their morning together and their evening prayer together. So I would encourage people, if you just Google liturgy of the hours, you'll find those. It's, it's a beautiful way to keep your day in the cycle of prayer in your heart and your mind consistently with the Lord. So the fact that you and the Brewer sisters are doing something to help bring attention to that, particularly with music, uh, I think it's a great opportunity. Yeah, it really is a beautiful gift. You know, as a deacon, I, at my ordination, I made a commitment to pray morning and evening prayer. Mm -hmm. A lot of diocesan clergy at least make that commitment. Actually, it was something St. John Paul II was very strong on encouraging that all the faithful, all the lay faithful, uh, would pray at least morning and evening prayer. And I don't know if you know this, Father Dave, but actually his Wednesday audiences uh, before he passed away, were dedicated to the Psalms of the liturgy, oh, the Psalms and Canticles of the Liturgy of the Hours, and he never, he didn't get through it before he died. But really, some of those insights are are quite profound and beautiful. Um, there's a version of it esque, you know, kind of the vibe of it in like the Magnificat book, for example. Mm -hmm. And I imagine a lot of people use that, and I find that it's really a, a blessing. It's a little abbreviated. But it's, it's a little abbreviated, that, right. but it's kind of the vibe, and that's a good start. You know, it's a very yeah, accessible way of doing it. You know, it the is. Liturgy of the Hours themselves is just a little bit longer. What I love about doing the Liturgy of the Hours is to know that, like, the psalms that I'm praying today are the same psalms that, well, Father you Dave, I, you're you praying. And I, you and I prayed the same psalms this morning. We yep. did. And so did Pope Francis. And mm -hmm. so did, you know, uh, you know, somebody in France and somebody in China. You know, like, around the world, like, it's just, that's part of the beauty and profoundness of being Catholic. It's like... We're all, you know, every clergy, every religious, and lots of like, we're all praying these same psalms. Mm. We're praying these same intentions. I mean, it's tremendously the thing, powerful. The other thing that's interesting is, so for those of you who aren't aware, the, the cycle, the psalms are on like a four-week cycle. I won't get mm -hmm. too much into it. And, and honestly, some people don't do it because they're intimidated by it. Yeah. But with the internet, it's so easy to get it now, and they just give you guides. But, you know, so I've been doing the same group of psalms uh, for... 30 years now 
And and now and I'll be honest. Sometimes it's kind of like you just okay. I've done this. Go through the motions, and yet there'll be an occasion where it's a psalm that I've read, honestly, a thousand times, and one line or one word pops right. out. Like this morning was just. I'm very blessed. I get to be in Florida. I was just kind of looking over a little lake, and there was just something beautiful about sitting down with these psalms, a familiar friend, and just reading them again. And and that's. Yeah, that's just the blessing. But there is something, you know, there's there's a blessing to familiarity and there's it's sometimes this uh but the reality is is the Lord speaks to us through those psalms if we just give him a little space to do so. So I'd encourage all of you, maybe you have a subscription to Magnificat, uh, and that could be a great entryway of starting into it. Um there's a lot of apps that are out there. Um that, you know, my favorite is iBravery. Um, but there's a lot of different apps you can use to do it. Well, and and actually I don't know if you, Office. Yeah, Divine Office. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you know this, Father Dave, but Word on Fire um, publishes yes, yeah. a, it's almost like what you do with Magnificat, but you just get a subscription, but it's the liturgy of the hours. And you know what's brilliant about that? It's not only paper, and some people like paper, but there's no confusion. There's no ribbons. It's just, here's today, and you can do it and pray it and do that. So there's a lot of resources out there. If, if, uh, if maybe you know what we're talking about and you haven't done it for a while, Especially as we're heading towards Lent and you're thinking about potential Lenten prayers and sacrifices, mm-hmm. that this might be a good direction to go. If you have no idea, check it out. But it is really beautiful to be in the rhythm of the life of the church. And the last point about it that I'd make that I thought was beautiful is somebody explained to me that the liturgy of the hours is the way that the church sanctifies time itself. Mm-hmm. That in all these time zones and every moment of the day, the church is in constant prayer for humanity, for the gospel, for those in need. Um, and it's just this like cycle of constant prayer and reflection on scripture um, that is filled with so many graces that we're you know, not even aware of, but is really profound. So yeah, yeah. it was exciting to uh, do the album based on a lot of those texts. Like I said, after you hear our final uh, closing tag, uh, you'll hear the very beginning of the album. We're gonna sing, Lord, open my lips and my mouth shall proclaim your praise. That's how, uh, that's called the invitatory. It's how the office begins. And then we kick right into Psalm 95, which is an opening psalm uh, for the day. I hope you're blessed by it and would appreciate any support that you could give us to make this album a reality. And Lord, we just ask your blessing upon us this day, that you would sanctify us Mm -hmm. and sanctify our day through the prayers of our church and through our personal prayers to you, Lord. Pray blessings upon us, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Father Dave. My pleasure. We'll see you later, Bob. That sounds good. And thank everybody for uh, listening and supporting this podcast. Thanks for your prayer requests. And we're praying for you if you'd like to send us one or a thought, maybe for some upcoming topics on our podcast. You can email us at hope at franciscan.edu. That's hope at franciscan.edu. God bless. Claim your praise. Come, let us sing to the Lord. Come, let us sing to the Lord. Come, let us sing to the Lord and shout with joy to the rock who saves us. Let us approach him with praise. Let us approach him with praise.
Let's approach Him with praise and thanksgiving and sing joyful songs to the Lord. The Lord is God, the mighty God, the great King over all the gods. He holds in His hands the depths of the earth and the highest mountains as well. sing to the Lord. Come, let us sing to the Lord and shout with joy to the rock who saves us. Let us approach Him with praise. Let us approach Him with praise. Let us approach Him with praise and thanksgiving and sing joyful songs to the Lord. saves us. Let us approach Him with praise. Let us approach Him with praise. Let us approach Him with praise and thanksgiving and sing joyful songs to the Lord. Let us approach Him with praise and thanksgiving and sing joyful songs to the Lord. 